time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life. All right, open up your Bibles if you have them. Open up your Bibles. Uh, Matthew, cha- or sorry, let's go to uh, Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. And um, tonight, uh, I want to talk a little bit about this song that we sing, Refuse to Be Denied. And... Um, We're going to plug a little bit more into this. Mark chapter 5. If you have your Bibles, Mark chapter 5. We'll go there. Let me pray and then we'll dive in. If you're happy, say I'm happy. happy. If you love God, say I do. do. If you believe that he reigns and he rules and he's awesome and he's true and he's faithful, say he is. Oh, I love you guys. Jesus, we love you tonight. God, we love being your people. We love your presence. We love prayer. We love to worship you. God, we love proclaiming you. We love spending time with you. God, we love your word. We pray that it would come alive in our hearts tonight. Jesus, we pray that you would place within each one of us a great confidence to pray over and over and over again for a move of God, for a move of God in our families and a move of God in our city, a move of God in our schools. God, a move of God in our generation, Jesus. We love you and we honor you. And everybody said amen. 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 Mark chapter five. This is a fun story here because we see... uh, a lady who has nothing left and she's at the place where she's actually desperate. And it's when you're actually desperate that oftentimes you ask the most of God. It's actually when you're desperate that you go to a place of conviction where you'll do something that people that are content won't do. It's easy to live as content people in a place where we have so much. In a culture where we have much, where we have uh, good schools, where many of you come from good families... Most of you come from a place where you have good food, and if you want to go eat a double filet, fish filet at McDonald's, you can. If you want to go to Starbucks, you can. You come from a place where you've got, maybe you've got a house to go to, and you've got a lot of stuff. And it's easy to not live desperate when you have a lot. But when you recognize how little you have, that's when it's easy to live desperate. And so the great the great need of the hour for us is to realize how much more God has for us than what we currently are asking for. That we are content with far too little. That God has more for your life. God has more for DSM. God has more for as far as a move of God in the city. And so I want to come from that premise tonight and we find it in this woman, Mark chapter 5. We'll start in verse 24. All right, Mark chapter 5, verse 24. So Jesus went with them, and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. Now a certain woman had a, had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better. I love that point because it says she had spent everything that she had. All that she had, she'd already spent it. Everything... She had no resources left. She had no sources to go to. And so Jesus was her only option. When it comes to prayer, when it comes to coming to Jesus, that's how we want to come to him. We don't want to come to him with, hey, if this doesn't work out, if the Jesus thing doesn't work out, then I've always got plan B. I can always go in my own strength. I can always go 
use my own popularity and my own finances and my own coolness and my own plans. One of the reasons why in America we often don't see great moves of God is because we always have a plan B. If we don't see the move of God, well, then we'll just show another video and we'll just do it another way. If we don't see a move of God, well, then we'll just throw another party. More pizza for all. The great need of the hour is that we would be so desperate for God. We've spent all that we had and all those things no longer move us. What moves us is, God, we need you. Jesus, we need you or we're toast. Jesus, we need you or we're hosed. Jesus, what we want is you. She suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I can only touch his clothes, I will be made well. Immediately, the fountain of her blood had dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed. Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out from him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, you see the multitude thronging you and you say, who touched me? He looked around, see her who had done this thing. And the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Here's this woman and she's, she's spent all that she had. and She sneaks up behind Jesus and because she's already tried the doctors, she's already spent all the money that she has. And so you can imagine if Jesus is working through a crowd and the disciples say, hey, why would you say that? Why would you say who touched you? Can't you tell everybody's touching you? There's a lot of people here. You're kind of a big deal. Jesus goes, no, I know the power went out from me. And I just know that someone had enough faith. Who was it? Who touched me? And I want you to know, if you as a desperate teenager, you as a person who's hungry for God... If you say, I want all that God will give me and I I don't care about all the other things that your friends care about, it's easy to live for. Many times you'll have a response like the disciples and they'll go, come on, come on. Absurdity seems to be always an answer. But what we have here is we have Jesus not seeing the woman that touched him in faith, even though everybody else was around him as absurd. Jesus heals her. She sees a miracle. You know, God wants to do miracles. You know, for us, it's really easy to live without miracles. But when we ask God for miracles, it's really amazing. He does miracles. On Sunday, we asked for miracles on Sunday morning. And we said, hey, if there's any, anything that you need, you need prayer for, for healing, come forward. And what's interesting is that I've noticed on Sundays, sometimes we're just done and we just go. And sometimes Brady says, hey, if you need healing, come forward. And you know, the testimonies of people being healed seem to come at a far more rapid pace on the Sundays where we ask I mean, this week in our staff meeting, we were telling stories of healings. Why? Because we asked on Sunday. 
But you know what's easy to do? It's easy for us to come to DSM or to go to church on Sunday or do whatever you do and not ask. But the secret to receiving is asking. It's really what Jesus said in Matthew 7, 7, where he said, Ask and you will receive, seek and you'll find, knock and the door will be open to you forever asks. Receives and whoever seeks finds and whomever knocks, the door will be opened. And if there's a culture that God is placing within us, within DSM, it's a culture of asking. Great faith. Believing. Believing for moves of God in our bodies. Asking. Believing for a move of God on our school campuses. So the DSM doesn't exist for itself so that we can just come together and be like, what's up, dude? And that's the end of it. It's what's up, dude? And how's it going on your campus? Have you reached people for Jesus? Has, who's come to know Christ? What's happening? Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10 is the same idea with a different story. Verse 46. Now they came to Jericho, and and as he went to Jericho with his disciples and a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then many warned warned him to be quiet, but he cried out all the more. Son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still commanded him to be called. Then they called the blind man, saying to him, be of good cheer, rise, he is calling to you. And throwing aside his garment, he arose and came to Jesus. And so Jesus answered and said to him, what do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, Rabbi, that I may receive my sight. And then Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. It's a powerful story because you can guarantee that in Jesus' day, there's a lot of blind men. In Jesus' day, there's a lot of blind men, and a lot of blind men were never healed. But there was a blind man named Blind Bartimaeus who sat on the side of the road, and as Jesus is passing by, he begins to cry out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. The other blind men sat quietly, but one blind man cried out and asked, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. And you can imagine Jesus is going, he's got disciples around him and he's on his way. And there's something that causes the son of God, God incarnate, God walking on the earth, the God of the ages. There's something that in the text in Mark chapter 10, we read causes Jesus to stop. I mean, God is walking, Jesus is walking and he's cruising and something causes him to stop. Poor, blind man, lowest of society, caused the God who rules and reigns and sits today on a throne with creatures that fall before him and a sea of glass like crystal and eyes like fire is returning for his people one day to set up his kingdom forever. That God stopped for the lowest of society that just did one thing. Was he perfect? No. Was he righteous? No. Was he incredible and complete? No. What did he do? He cried out. He asked. 
Jesus, son of David, have mercy. Jesus stops. Call him, Jesus says. Bring him to me. What do you want, blind man? I want to see. All right. Done. Why? Because you asked. Why? Because you asked. Because you, blind man. See, I'm the God of the ages, and I love to show mercy, and I love to show kindness, and I love to demonstrate mercy. I want a people that just ask. What a people that rather than accepting the condition of where they're at, they just ask. And I'm telling you, it's one thing to accept the condition when you're blind and when you're broken. It's really easy to accept it when you're cool. You live in the richest nation in world history. And you have more media your fingertips than any generation in global history. You have more access to information. And yet if I've learned anything in the last 15 years, on the inside, you're so broken. And you know, it doesn't satisfy that I'm hungry something more. Jesus looks to you tonight. He just wants us to respond very simply by asking. See, I want you to imagine um, some of you rebuttal tonight and you go, I don't know what to ask for. It's because you've accepted your condition. You've accepted things the way that they are. Just the way that it is. So unless I get sick, I'm not going to ask. Or unless something tragic happens in my life, I'm not going to ask. I mean, if something bad happens to my mom and dad, maybe then I'll ask. Maybe if I get a disease, then I'll become a person of prayer. Then I'll ask. And so right now, because you're so okay with how things are, you don't ask. And when they say, hey, there's going to be a prayer meeting, all you think is, hey, if I ever need something, maybe I'll go or maybe I'll send a prayer request. But see, the nature of the blind man is that he envisioned a different day where he could see. And how he was was not okay. He wanted to see. And the dream that we're asking God for is not, hey, we're okay with how things are. God, we want to keep up the status quo. I want you to envision. I want you to see what it's like. When we are the church of Jesus Christ in the 21st century, where people in crutches walk in here and walk out without them. I want you to imagine where it's on campuses all over this city. There's a burning and shining lamp of someone that's preaching the gospel and praying and knows God. And there's hundreds and hundreds of kids talking about Jesus on campuses. I want you to envision a day where it's not just like, hey, we do a summer conference and people come and then they go home. But they show up here and all of a sudden there's a move of God that gets written about in history books because it changes the course of America. I'm asking you to picture something bigger than where you're living. 
I'm asking you to picture not a contentment with where things are. Where it's just okay, where we're just, occasionally we see a little move of God and occasionally there's a little healing. A few prayer meetings here and there. But you look throughout history and the moves of God that were massive were just because people asked. The reason why the Moravian movement sent people all over the world and it, it created a spark that sent missionaries to the ends of the earth was because there's a group of people that just began to ask. I mean, it's crazy to me that the very core of seeing a move of God is so simple. And yet we don't do it. It's asking. She's coming before God and saying, God, I'm asking for Rampart. I'm asking salvations. Lewis Palmer. God, I'm asking, I want healing in my hands, God. I'm asking whatever is the thing. There's some of you, there's a burning desire in your heart that when you stop and you just picture like the blind man, you picture a different reality, things different than they are. Where you're walking in the fullness of what God has for you at age 17 or age 15. It's far beyond where you are now. That's what I'm talking about asking for. I'm not talking about just asking for kind of the, let's keep the thing going and keep life as it is okay. And let's just do enough prayer to maintain church. No, puke. That just makes me hurl. I don't want to do that. And I want to imagine, Jesus, what do you say? about DSM. Jesus, what do you say about our city? Jesus, what do you say about our generation? And ask and believe and knock and not give up. Can I be honest with you, friends? Our biggest temptation is going to be to give up. It's just to give up. Nice, David. I heard you say this once in 2007. I gave myself to asking for a while, but now I'm tired. I'm going to stop. It's easy for me. I was believing and asking God 17 years ago. Come on, God. Where are you? But the secret in the Christian journey that Jesus wants of us, Luke 18, 1, is that we would keep coming back to the perfect God that loves to give good gifts to his children. He doesn't want to give us snakes and scorpions and stones. He wants to give us good gifts. We keep coming back and going, God, we're asking. Jesus tells the parable in Luke 18. He says, let me tell you the reason why I'm going to tell you this parable, that you would always pray and not give up. Another version says that you would always pray and not lose heart. It's easy to lose heart. But maybe there's five, six, maybe seven or eight of you in this room tonight. Five, six, seven of you lock in. I'm going to not give up in prayer. I'm going to refuse to be content with where things are. I'm going to keep asking. We could see a move of God. Do you believe me? 
Do you believe me? Or is there something inside of you that's going, no, I don't, I don't want to make the sacrifice necessary. I don't want to give up an hour. Love that hour. Because really, I really do believe if we would just come before Jesus and just ask, I don't know what God wants to do. I don't, have a, I, I don't know the end. But I know when I read the scriptures, there's a lot more available to those that ask. And I believe that God wants to use us. I saw it last week. I saw it last week where we just kind of came to the end of the meeting. She said, Lord, what do you want to do? Lord, think people would give their life to Jesus tonight? People gave their life to Jesus last week. I'm just begging you, start asking. Don't give up. Don't lose heart. One one more Bible story and I'll be done for tonight. Matthew chapter 15, my favorite. If you're a freshman, you're going to be hearing this once a year until you're a senior, so be ready. And then once you graduate, you'll be podcasting it until you're 40. Here we go. Verse 21. Then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And, he be, and behold, a woman of Canaan came from the, that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. But he answered her, not a word. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshipped him. Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and and throw it to the little dogs. She said, Yes, Lord. Yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from the master's table. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed that very hour. Imagine this woman coming to Jesus, a Canaanite woman. She's not one of the Jewish people. Jesus is a Jew. She comes to Jesus. She asks for this miracle. And what's interesting is she's not coming for herself. She's not coming to Jesus and saying, hey, I need you to heal me. This is a little bit different. This is for somebody else, which I love that because this is her compassion for somebody else. This isn't even her her enthusiasm or her determination or her resolution for her own healing. This is her determination for her daughter who's severely demon-possessed. I don't know what the difference is between being demon-possessed and severely demon-possessed, but it's pretty bad. So she is severely demon-possessed. She comes to Jesus and she says, Jesus, we heal her. And first, he doesn't say a word to her. Now, what I believe is going on here is you know, when we read in John 4 about the Samaritan woman, we read about how Jesus could look at her and he knew what was in her heart. He knew about her husband history. He knew exactly what was going on with her, John 4. The same way I think Jesus sees exactly what's going on in this woman. He knows what's in her heart. 
He's got people around him, disciples around him. He knows very well that there's a resolution in her heart to not give up. And she comes to Jesus and she says, will you do this miracle? And he answers her not a word. Now, if you and I ever feel that way, that Jesus is going to not answer us a word, or that he hasn't answered a word that we've, been, that we've asked and we didn't hear anything, that's often where we stop. Heavens are brass. God's not listening. God is distant. I just don't feel like he answers. Jesus answered not a word. Then she comes and she asks and he denies her. He says, I came for the lost sheep of Israel. And surely at that point, this woman should give up, right? Surely at that point, oh, sorry. Okay. But no, she goes, no, I know your character. I know who you are. I know you're the Messiah. I know you're doing miracles. I know you've already cast out demons. I know you're healing people. I know who you are. And based upon what I've seen, I'm not going to give up. She just keeps asking. Finally, Jesus looks at her and he goes, all right, first he said, first he ignores her. Then he silences her. Came for the lost sheep of Israel. Now he mocks her. It's not right to take the bread from the children, and give it to the dogs. I don't know about you, but if I got called a dog by Jesus, whoo, it'd be a bad day. I mean, can you imagine Jesus calling this woman a dog? That's rough. I don't know, but in my family, I don't really call women dogs. It's rough. I don't call you dogs. Surely she stops here. Man, maybe he's not who I thought he was. Maybe I should accept my fate. Jesus, go on. Come on. Don't give up so easy. Don't stop. Come after me. Come after me. Don't stop. Yeah, but you, you ignored me. Great faith. Great faith comes to those that ask and seek and knock and refuse to give up. Yeah, but... Yeah, but you, you said no. Come on. Do you remember my story I told about knocking on the door? No matter what time of night, just keep coming. I love to give good gifts to people that ask. Yeah, but you call me a dog. Come on. It's okay. Don't give up so easy. I got great things for people that ask. Come on. Keep coming. Keep asking. Now, go to, take it to another level. Not just a polite, sweet little... keep coming. Not just a little, please God, but I just ignored, silenced, rejected, just refused to be denied. Refuse. Refuse to be denied. Do you remember what I told you? I told you I love to give good gifts. I love to give. Come on. You want a healing? Refuse to be denied. You want to see a miracle? Refuse to give up. Refuse. As long as the Messiah is standing in front of me, as long as the one who does miracles is standing in front of me, 
as long as the God of the ages, who loves to give good gifts to his children, and he has said that he loves to give good gifts to his children, as long as he is standing in front of me, I refuse to give up. I don't care that you just called me a dog, Jesus. Even the dogs get the crumbs at the table. And he goes, <laughs> nice. Good job, little Canaanite lady with a demon-possessed daughter. <laughs> your daughter is healed. Why? Because your daughter did something? No. Your daughter didn't do anything. But there was one person who refused to give up. One person who just kept knocking. One person just kept asking. Charles Spurgeon, the great British preacher, he said, whether we like it or not, the rule of the kingdom of God is that he gives to those that ask. Whether we like it or not, Asking is the rule of the kingdom. And I know some of you, you go, I don't know why God runs his world that way. But he does. He gives to those that ask. And the way that we ask is this thing called prayer. And there's more available to those that ask. And those that ask, see. Those that ask, watch healings. Those that ask, See moves of God. Sometimes we ask and ask, and years later, we're still asking. Sometimes Jesus looked at someone, and when they asked, he healed. And sometimes he said, keep coming, keep coming, keep coming, keep coming, keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. Don't give up. Don't lose heart. Refuse to be denied. Refuse to give up. I want to tell you this one story. I'll be done. I have watched so many teenagers that have asked for moves of God on their high school campus. And I have watched some that they asked for a move of God. And during their junior, senior year, or even sophomore year, they saw literally hundreds get saved. And I have watched devoted high school kids that just kept asking. And at senior graduation or senior banquet or whatever their senior year parties were at the end of the year, they were broken and sad because they thought they'd see something more than they saw. Let me tell you this. Our call as Christians is not to measure it only based upon what we see with our eyes in our high school days. The young woman that knocked on the door every day in prayer meetings, freshman, sophomore, junior, senior year, will receive the, great, the same reward from God as the young man who asked his sophomore year, and by the end of the sophomore year, hundreds came to Jesus, and suddenly he saw a mini revival on his campus. Both of them received great reward from Jesus. 
And there are many prayers that this scenario prays that we'll only see in eternity. But when we're walking in obedience to God, whether laying in bed or raising the dead, whatever we're doing, if we're walking in obedience, Jesus pays the same. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. And I love the fact that there are some days where we pray and pray and pray and kapow, God does stuff. But there are also days where we pray and we pray and we pray and we do not see it like we thought we would see it. But either way, the call from Jesus Christ, our Messiah is pray, ask, seek, refuse to give up, refuse to be denied. One of the premier, primary, center, core convictions of this house is we're going to be a people that pray. And we may see awesome things. And we may go through mundane prayer meetings, but we're going to ask, we're going to knock, and we're going to believe in good days and bad days. I want to invite you guys this coming Tuesday. We're going to pray right in this room at four o'clock, all of Bern, all of DLA. I want to invite you to be here at four if you want to. You don't have to, but if you want to, come next Tuesday at four. I want to invite Nico to come on up here, and I want to invite uh, all of you guys, just come on up here. Let's just take the last few minutes to pray together. Nico, if you play that song, Refuse to Be Denied. We're going to take a few minutes, and I want you to come forward, not as a, um, my heart is, I, I, not as, a, as anything other than I want to pray with you tonight, David. I want to pray. I want to believe. And over time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life.